You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, today is six days after Christmas. Is that right? Christmas was on the 25th. Here we are six days after Christmas, and we've celebrated the birth of our Lord and Savior with family and friends. Prayerfully, you've had that opportunity uh, to take some time, time off, time to celebrate, time to just maybe eat, uh, open some gifts, read the Christmas story in Luke uh, or or Matthew, and just enjoy yourself with with family. Uh, We've been in this sermon series now since the 1st of December, so this is sermon number five. Now, the way this fell was it's after Christmas. So how many of you are okay with celebrating Christmas after Christmas? Is that good? Everybody good with that? Okay, all right. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to celebrate Christmas after Christmas. We're still in this Christmas series, and so we'll continue to do that. And I want to begin by just saying this in introduction to the message. Shalom. Yeah. The, The word shalom is what we heard all the time when we went to Israel, right? Paula, right, Kevin? I mean, if you went to Israel, some of you are in the building, uh, know that. We heard that every single Jewish person greeted us this way, shalom. In America, it would be much like saying hello. In Australia, if you've been to Australia, I've been many times, this is the way they greet you there consistently. Good day, mate. (laughs) Everybody says good day, mate. In Israel, it's shalom, which means peace. And one of the announcements that we find about the birth of Christ that welcomed Jesus to the world was Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, where the Bible says, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace, shalom on earth to the people he favors. This was a Christmas welcome. Peace on earth. So the question comes this morning as we move into this last message of this series on Jesus, our magnificent one. As we look at the names he's been given in Isaiah chapter 6 is this. Do we have peace on earth? Uh, The famous secular band. And again, I don't know much about. When you study, you, you, you find things that you didn't know. But it's interesting this popular secular band called U2. I, I don't know much about them. Uh, I do know that their lead singer's name is Bono. And they wrote a song called Peace on Earth. This is a secular band singing about the peace on earth that Jesus said would come. Heaven on earth, we need it now. I'm sick of all this hanging around. Sick of sorrow. I'm sick of pain. I'm sick of hearing again and again that there's going to be peace on earth. Jesus, can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line? Peace on earth. Tell the ones who hear no sound. Tell the ones whose sons are living in the ground. Peace on earth. Jesus, in the song you wrote, the words are sticking in my throat. Peace on earth. I hear it every Christmas time. But hope and history don't rhyme. So what's it worth? This peace on earth. I can tell you for sure, if you're like me, there's no shalom in that song. 
There's no Christmas welcome. Only hopelessness. Yet when we hear the words of Isaiah the prophet. That we've been quoting now for these five weeks including this one. He foretold the birth of Jesus amazingly 700 years beforehand. We hear hope in those words. In the five-fold description of Jesus. In those titles given to Jesus in that verse. We have hope. And during the Christmas season, we've been looking at this wonderful prophecy. And now we come to the final and the climatic name given to Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. Time out for just a moment. I saw something this week and I sent it to Ken, my my media guy. And I said, Ken, show it this week. Look at that. Forgiven. I had to show it to you. I've been waiting for this moment all week long. <laughs> when I said it, I said, I, I said, Ken, can you have this ready? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful. And we talked about Christmas wonder. And his name shall be called Counselor. And we talked about Christmas wisdom. And his name should be called Mighty God. And we talked about Christmas wealth. And his name shall be called the Everlasting Father. And last week we discussed Christmas worship. But this week, his name shall be called the Prince of Peace. And today, I want to take a moment and talk to you about Christmas welcome. Because peace is found in a person. Not a place. A person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And his name is Prince of Peace. Now the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah told us to watch out for false peacemakers. They're out there. He said in Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 14. They have treated my people's brokenness superficially. They claim peace, peace. but, but, But listen, be careful because there is no peace. The Apostle Paul warned us that many will cry out peace and security, but, it, but it's going to be vain peace. Be very careful about false peacemakers. Listen to the Apostle Paul talk to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 3. When they say the world, when the world says peace and security, when the politician says, hey, I'm bringing peace, I'll take care of you. When, when they say that, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman. They will not escape. Hey, church family, please listen to me this morning on this last Sunday of the year. The only sure peace agreement is given by the Prince of Peace, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Because we live in a world that is longing for peace, and it is, the Prince of Peace is a wonderful name. The more we can learn about this Prince of Peace, the more we can share how others can experience this peace. And what's incredible is there's so many Christian hymns, if you think about it, and I've had the chance to do that. There's so many Christian hymns that talk about the Prince of Peace that we sing sometimes actually around this time of the year. And these songs that are written bring peace. They, they, don't you love to listen to good Christian music? Isn't it something? 
I've talked to so many people this week that have said, Pastor, it's been good, godly Christian music, either on K-Love or here at Gospelite or just music on, on my phone that, that brings me peace in, 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 in the chaos and disturbances of life. It warms our hearts. It brings us a comfort and it soothes our soul. Here, here's just a few. Probably the first one that I learned was one that is written in 1955 by Jill Jackson, Let There Be Peace on Earth. Anybody remember this one? Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be. Everybody good? With God as our father, brother. I mean, it's like I haven't sung that song in like 40 years and I still remember every word. But my favorite lyrics on the word, with every step I take, let this be my solemn vow to take each moment, to live each moment with peace eternally let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Another song that's somewhat familiar is I've Got Peace Like a River. It's written by William Reynolds. I was kind of surprised when I found out it was written in 75. I would have thought probably much older. Remember this one, honey, on the bus or in Sunday school or to our kids? Remember this one? I've got what? Peace like a river. I love it. I love it. Half the crowd's doing this. You know, I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy. I've got Love like an ocean. I can't do that one. It's good. Carol Ann, do it, Carol. You do it real quick. Do the love, do the love like an ocean. Just do the love like an ocean. Ready? <laughs> Woo, honey, look at that. She's got it going on there, you know. So we, we sing these children's songs. But, but look at this. Although it's a favorite children's song, biblically, it is a great, it is a song of great hope. Biblically, actually, this, what we might call silly little children's song is, is the foretelling in the Old Testament of the grace that's been extended to us. Listen to Isaiah 66, 12. Scripture says, for this is what the Lord says. I will make peace flow to her like a river. Laura's story. Laura is, is known for the song she wrote called Blessings. What if your blessings come from raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights is what it takes to know you're near? What if trials in this life? Remember that song, Blessings? But there's a song she wrote when she found out her husband had a terminal brain tumor. It's an amazing story. You, You should Google this and just listen to her tell this story. It's incredible. The name of the song she wrote... It's called perfect peace. Stay close by my side. Keep your eyes on me. Though this life is hard, I will give you perfect peace. In this time of trial, pain that no one sees, trust me when I say, I will give you perfect peace. And you'll never walk alone. And you'll never be in need. Though I may not calm the storms around you, you can hide in me. Burdens that you bear offer no relief. Let me bear your load because I will give you perfect peace. Probably the most famous story behind, or the most amazing story behind, one of the most famous hymns was written by Horatio Spafford. This song was written in 1873. It's called, It Is Well With My Soul. 
Read along with me. Two years after this great Chicago fire, Horatio Spafford's family planned a trip to Europe. Business demands kept Spafford from joining his wife and four daughters on a family vacation in England where his friend, this is kind of crazy to me, D.L. Moody, what a friend, you know, would be preaching. On November 22nd, 1873, while crossing the Atlantic on a steamship, the ship was struck by an iron sailing vessel. It killed 226 people, including all four of Spafford's daughters. Annie, 12. Maggie, 7. Bessie, 4. And Tanita, 16 months or 18 months. His wife, Anna, survived the tragedy. Upon arriving in Wales, she sent a telegram to Spafford that read, Saved alone. Shortly afterward, as Spafford traveled to meet his grieving wife, he was inspired to write, It is well with my soul as the ship passed near where his daughters had died. Sing that first chorus with me if you know it. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul, it is well with my soul. well, it is well with my soul. The Prince of Peace is who we're singing about this morning. And then around Christmas time, there's a song called, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Interestingly enough, as I dove into this song, I found it was actually a poem written by the famous American poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. In 1861, two years before he actually wrote the poem, Longfellow's personal peace was shaken when his second wife of 18 years, to whom he was very devoted, was fatally burned and died in an accidental fire. I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day is a Christmas carol based on the 1863 poem called Christmas Bells. The story tells of the narrator hearing Christmas bells during the American Civil War, but despairing that hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth and goodwill toward men. But after much anguish and despondency, the carol concludes with the bells ringing out with resolution like the sermon this morning. That God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. And that there will ultimately be peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Which is a reference to Luke chapter 2.14 where the angels heralded the birth of Christ. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing when we hear the story behind the songs? When we sing these lyrics... Together we have this morning. They give us a Christmas welcome. Completely different than what Bono could come up with. Amen? Completely different from a secular band trying to figure this thing out. It reminds us that Jesus Christ is the answer to peace on earth. 
And these are welcoming words. This is the peace church family that the world needs to hear about in 2024. Because in 2023, we, we experienced together that war started in our Savior's homeland again. They're fighting again. And I can assure you, politicians and presidential candidates will stand and give their stump speeches and they'll sound something like this. Hey, I'll keep America safe. I I will uh, make sure that uh, there is peace in the Middle East. It almost sounds as if they're speaking that they are the child. I mean, it's kind of eerie. As they begin to give these stump speeches and it sounds like they're prophetic candidates offering hope that they can't deliver on. Because we know that there's going to be no peace in the Middle East until the Prince of Peace returns to earth and Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled. Only then will there be peace When Jesus returns for the second time as king and rules and reigns on this earth and brings peace on earth. Jesus is the prince of peace. He is the one who brings peace to the world and into our lives. This is the Christmas welcome. Shalom. Shalom. Peace. In Isaiah's prophecy, it's interesting. We haven't looked much at verses before and after, but this morning for just a moment, because these really apply to the name Prince of Peace. As we look at the prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 6, if we back up two verses, and if we go forward one verse, we find there are two things that Jesus says, two ways he's going to bring peace. Number one, by ending war. Look at it in verse number 4 of the text. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke. Uh, the rod and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle, speaking of war, this is speaking of, and every bloodied garment of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. Now there's a lot there, but it's pretty incredible. The Prince of Peace, according to the scripture, is going to break the rod of the oppressor. He says that every blood-soaked garment worn in war will be rolled up and burned for fuel. One of the ways he'll bring peace is by ending war. Amen. But secondly, he'll also bring peace by extending well-being. Good tidings. He says in verse number six again, as he speaks about being the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Look at verse seven of the increase of his government that is upon his shoulders, which is, by the way, a heavy load to bear. But he bears it with absolutely no problem at all. Peace. Under his government, peace and there shall be no end to it upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord will perform this. He will rule with justice. He will rule with righteousness. He will cause everyone under his reign to flourish. That's our future. He will bring peace Jesus, our Prince of Peace, will put this world to right. But there's a process to this peacemaking. And it began at Christ's birth that we've been preaching about. And it will be completed upon the return of Christ in his glory when he finalizes what he began in that manger. So where does that leave us today? That's a lot of introduction. The rest of the sermon will go quite quickly. But this is the application 
Where does that leave us today? I mean, that was, by the way, a lot of our preaching is to encourage us. And, and if I can say it, to hype us up a little bit. That, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I want to leave church with a little dance in my step, don't you? I want to be encouraged. And if we all left right now, we probably would feel pretty good until the first disturbing thing happened to us. <laughs> and then chaos comes. I was reading the paper this morning. Just anybody get the paper? Don't get it. Here's the end of the year. Here's what Hot Springs says. End of the year. Looking forward to a new year. Child deaths, court cases, and kidnappings, shootings among 23 crime stories. Plane crash. Missing man remains found. Gas line ruptures. That's the front page of the paper the last day of the year. Good day, mate. (laughs) Shalom. I mean, that, that illustration came this morning when I picked up my paper in the driveway. I mean, this is what we deal with. And so when we walk out of this building, if all we get is hype, the hype ends when the chaos begins. But what Jesus says this morning to all of us here today is that there's something that this means for us today, right now. This is not just about, well, let's just, you know, let's just wait until he brings peace. And until then, let's just be, let's worry, let's fear, let's fret. Let's just hope our missing remains are not found. Hopefully it'll all work out. I mean, let's just get more alarm systems and let's just lock our doors and let's just kind of get a, get a, kind of be afraid until, until finally, you know, one day we'll have peace. But that's not how it works. God wants you to have peace today in your marriage, at your workplace. In the church. So let me give you three choices concerning peace from the Prince of Peace. Number one, first of all, and this is most important, secure your peace with God. Brother James, that's, your testimony was so powerful this morning. As we heard about how you secured your peace with God. Because so many are looking for peace in all the wrong places. Peace is not secured through an outward religious act. That's what I thought it, how it was secured for the first 13 years of my life, growing up in a religious atmosphere, in a religious church that said, where, where I went to confess my sins to the priest, and the priest would say, all right, you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this, and maybe your sins will be resolved. And I spent my life trying to, to perform, and to be more moral, and to be better, and to do more good. But peace is not secured that way. Others think that peace is secured uh, by, by big houses and fancy cars and impressive jobs and titles. But riches don't bring lasting peace. The Bible teaches differently. The Bible teaches that prince, that peace, real peace can only come through a relationship with the one who is called the prince of peace. Peace is secured through an inward choice to know Christ as your Savior so you can have peace with God. We need to make peace with God through salvation. Why? Because of our sin. Because our sin has separated us from God. 
Our sin has made us an enemy of God. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, listen, since we have been justified by faith, those of you today who have secured your peace with God and those who maybe haven't listened to this testimony, as Paul writes, he says, we have peace with God. We have it through our Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible says in the same chapter that God sent his son, the prince of peace, to die for our sins. Why? Because we were enemies with God. We were combatants of God. Listen to Romans 5, 8. But God proves his own love for us. This is how he does it. And while we were yet sinners, the Prince of Peace came. He died for us. So how much more then? Since we've been justified by his blood, by his death on the cross, will we be saved through him from wrath? This is speaking about salvation. Securing your peace with God so you won't spend an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. So important. It goes on to say, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Before we were saved, we were enemies of God. And because of that, we needed to secure peace with God. And Jesus has brought peace to a once broken relationship with God the Father. So when you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and make your peace with God, the peace that you receive is the greatest gift you'll ever receive. I've said it for years. The greatest day of my life was September the 1st, 1978. Just my personal testimony. I I, I do remember the place and I do remember the time, the moments, the surroundings around it. It was just the context of my life at that time. There was a very specific event that took place where I secured my peace with God. Where where I I understood that that I had a, a, a broken relationship with Jesus because of my sin. And it was impossible to resolve. The only way it could be resolved was not by works of righteousness, which I had done, but something that Jesus Christ had completed on the cross. See, our sin, sin has taken us away from God. But now we've been brought near. Near by the blood of the Lamb. Ephesians 2 says this about that. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope, without God in this world. Very specific. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He is our peace. Here is what Paul is saying. Listen closely. Our sins have taken us away from God. Because of that, we have no hope. Our sins have created a wall of hostility separating us from God. And the only way to have peace with God is through Jesus, the Prince of Peace. This is why it's so important to secure your peace with God. And this is why Satan is called a prince too. Satan is a troublemaker. He's called the prince of the power of the air. But Jesus is a peacemaker. And he's called the Prince of Peace. So on this last Sunday of the year, if you have never been saved, if you've never secured peace with God, this would be a great day for you to make your peace with God. If you're in this building, in the balcony, on the main floor, you've never secured that. May this be the beginning of your relationship with Jesus that's been broken by sin. He wants to save you today.
And you, you can come this morning when we have a response time, if that's how God leads you to come, and you can know that, that this pastor, that others that work here and labor here and serve here, members of this church, prayerfully all of us are going to rejoice that someone has made their peace with God. It's the greatest decision. It's the greatest gift you'll ever be given. Secondly, seek the peace of God. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, this won't take long, but listen closely. Because once we've made peace with God, then and only then do we have access to the peace of God. First, we've got to make peace with God before we can have access to the peace of God. Because securing the peace of God takes care of your, or making peace with God secures your future. It takes care of your future. Hey, praise God, I can't lose that. I can't lose the peace that I've made with God. Amen. It's forever and ever and ever and ever. And when I stray, he he chastens me. In fact, Scripture tells me one of the ways that I know I'm a child of God is when I make a mistake. He sure loves me enough to discipline me, to spank me. I'm his child. He's my father. There's discipline involved in this relationship. I've made peace with God. That will never change. I am a child of God, secure forever and all eternity. But seeking the peace of God, that gives you an inner calm. That gives you an assurance in the present that God is in control of your life. And when life is unraveling, you need the peace of God. As a pastor, and only Carol Ann and Chloe would know this because they've been the only ones home this week. But as a pastor, they would know, daddy's been busy this week. With a lot of lives that have been unraveling. It's tough. People are hurting. A lot of chaos in their lives, in your life, in my life. Sometimes it's in the form of a health issue. Other times it's in the form of a marriage problem. Other times it's, it comes to us just because of our finances or some other way. There's so many ways that the disturbances of life begin to unravel our lives and we begin to become fearful. We've made peace with God, but, but we, 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 we live in a life just because we've made peace with God doesn't mean we are free from the disturbances of life. That's that's why you need to understand that when you are saved, it doesn't exempt you from the chaos. We still have flesh. We still make mistakes. We still struggle. And so Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, it says this, don't worry about anything. Think about this as we talk about peace. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Here it is, and the peace of God. I've already made peace with God. Now the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guards my heart. It guards my thinking, my mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is what Jesus gives us now. It is not the peace that the world gives. Totally different. Listen, the world is, listen to John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled. Be very careful, church family. Too many of us are listening to the world to find peace. 
We look at the stock market thinking we're going to find our peace in where the stock market is. We look at our bank account and say, you know what, I feel better. My finances are better. We look at our families and say, you know what, right now everything's pretty cool. My kids are at home and nobody's really out of church and we're all good and everything's smooth and so I've got peace. That's not where your peace is. That could change. The world wants you to believe that's where peace can be found. But listen to me, Jesus says specifically, he, is, uh, 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 he gives peace that surpasses all understanding. If you think with me for a moment this morning about the peace that God gives versus the peace that the world gives, it's completely different. The question this morning is this, how are we reacting to a world that seems to be so hard, so cold, and so calloused? And it does. Do we react to the world with anger? Do we react to the world with frustration? Do we react to what's going around us with fear? Does Fox News kind of control the narrative? Does the media control your attitude, your spirit, how you feel about things? Is that really? I mean, are we going to sit around and just argue for a year until the election as to what's going to bring peace? Vote this way, vote that way. Is that what's controlling you? Or is it Philippians 4, 7 and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. This is a peace that calms your nerves. This is a peace that takes the narrative of the world away. It's a peace that gives you confidence in the middle of adversity. It's a peace that tells you that God is on the throne, that God is in control of your life. The peace of God is an unexplainable peace. It blows your mind. It surpasses all understanding. It's like, wow, look at what they're going through. And yes, it's difficult. Their life's been disturbed. There's chaos going on. There's a loss of a loved one. There's a lot. But look at how God is working in their life. How do they do that? It blows my mind. It's called the peace of God. It's the peace of God. It surpasses understanding. You can't make sense of it. It only comes through the Prince of Peace. It's the peace of God that surpasses your financial portfolio up or down. It's the peace of God that surpasses your health report, good or bad. It's the peace of God that surpasses the trouble you may be having with your wife or husband right now. It's the peace of God that surpasses the trouble you may be having with some of your children. It's the peace of God that surpasses the difficulty you're having at work. Surpasses means it goes past it. It it, it moves through it. It goes past it. And then it says this. It guards. Look at it next. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guards. Your heart is your emotions. Your mind is your thinking. So it guards your emotions. And it guards your thinking. Scripture is very clear here when it talks about like a military guard almost. that, 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 That says to the emotional and mental disturbances of life, go no further. Stop. In the name of the Peace of God, no more. Cards, your heart, your emotions. It guards me from a nervous breakdown. 
It guards me from suicidal thoughts. It guards me from quitting church and quitting on God. It guards me from running away from my problem. The peace of God. It blows your mind. And it guards your heart. And it guards your mind. Things that would have affected me don't affect me now. Not because I'm strong. Not because I'm great. Man, what a great Christian he is. No, no, I'm just guarded. I'm really not all that strong. In fact, if I wasn't guarded, I'd be a mess. I'd be suicidal. I'd be crazy. I wouldn't be pastoring this church. I'd have quit a long time ago. Why are you still doing it? Peace of God. It's incredible. I mean, it doesn't mean I don't have a hard time. Sometimes I struggle. But then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, I recognize, wait a minute, I've got a guard. I've got somebody out there that's, that's going before me. He's in control of my life. He's in control of my situation. It is the peace of God from the Prince of Peace. So how do we get this peace? Well, in Philippians chapter 4, the same chapter we just read that about, it tells us that thinking is critical to this peace. How you think. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell. King James says, think on these things. Do. Do what you've learned. Do what you've received and heard from me this morning in this message. And seen in my testimony this morning, in James's testimony. And the God of peace will be with you. I need to submit my worry to God. I need to rest in his control. I need to let him rule my life like Horatio Spafford did when all four of his kids died. And he writes, it is well with my soul. Stop trying to control your life. Let the God of peace rule your life with the peace of God. Think about it. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. You know what I've learned, church? Can I be transparent with you for a minute? I've learned that some things that disturb the peace in my life make me very unthankful. And that's sad. And, 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 and I apologize. I confess that sometimes when my life is disturbed, I complain. When my life has a problem, sometimes I just gripe. But I want you to know something. When I thank God for what he's done in my life, it brings great peace. Chaos comes, problems come, and I... I become unthankful, but what brings me back? God sure has been good. Got a beautiful wife of 35 years, five incredible kids. Life's not perfect, but I've been blessed. Maybe my health's not perfect, but I'm still breathing, still walking, still preaching. God, you've been so good. Sorry for complaining. I'm going to let your peace come over me so that I can give you thanks. When we give thanks, it brings peace. It changes things. Could I give you a New Year's challenge? Here it is. 
Wake up and begin thanking God before you start your day. New Year's challenge. You say, well, I've already got a few, preacher. Add that one to your list. Wake up tomorrow morning, starting January 1, 2024, and say something like this. Lord, thank you that you woke me up today. Amen. How many of you want to wake up in the morning? Everybody good with that? If you didn't raise your hand, hey, fine. You know, we'll be a busy week next week. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Lord, thank you that I woke up today. Lord, thank you for this. If you're married, if you're married, thank you for this beautiful bride. We're not perfect. We've got problems. We've got issues. We argue some, but Lord, I want to thank you that you blessed me with my wife today. Lord, thank you for the children you've given me. In my case, thank you, God, for the grandchildren that you've given me. In my case, in your case, maybe thank you for the opportunity that I get to go to work today. Thank you for a spouse that believes the best in me. Thank you, Jesus, for the grace you're giving me to deal with this, this, and this. Amen. Start your day from a place of gratitude. It will help you have the peace of God. Fill your heart with thankfulness, and I can promise you this, there'll be no room for worry. Number three, and I'm done. Secure your peace with God so you can have the peace of God, access that. And then finally, and maybe most importantly, for us this morning... Strive to be at peace among yourselves. Work at this. In the church, in your family, with your kids, with your wife, with your friends, with your workmates. Work at being at peace with people. When you have made peace with God and you have the peace of God, you can then be at peace with others. Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 5.13. And to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. We can have peace among ourselves when we let the Prince of Peace be our peace. And by the way, this doesn't just happen. You got to work at it. Listen to what Paul said to the church at, or rather in Romans, he said this. So then let us pursue what promotes peace. I think sometimes we think it'll just happen, you know. It doesn't happen. I can tell you right now, when you pastor the same church for 31 years, there's a lot of tension sometimes. And if you're not careful, that's why the average tenure of, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm no, I'm no church expert. I've never written a book on church growth, never will. I can just tell you what I know, and that is this. Duh, why is the average pastor stay 2.3 years at a church? There's no peace. There's disunity. He runs, they run. This crowd sits on this side of the auditorium. This crowd sits on this side of the auditorium. And a church that used to run 300 now runs nine. How does it get that way? How does a church get to that place? There's no peace. They're not pursuing peace. They're not doing everything they can do to to build one another up. Oh, church family, there's nothing that can destroy a church more than disunity. Nothing. And I encourage you this morning to remember that Jesus brings peace and Jesus brings unity and Jesus brings brotherhood between people and races and nations. Jesus can do that. Think about it. I mentioned my wife is in the courts on a regular basis with, with, with the judge. And 
I can tell you that the courts are filled with people who just can't get along. And I'm going to say this, it's a sad epitaph upon the church of Jesus Christ, but the church is full of people who just can't get along. I'm not saying it's our church. I, I, I'm sure it includes our church at times, but that's sad. We fight each other. We criticize each other. We always think we're right. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 17 says, The first to state his case seems right until another comes and cross-examines him. And then it says in Proverbs 21, 2, All of a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the hearts. And it's going to take work to get along with people. You want to get along with people? Put your bootstraps on. Takes work. Listen to Ephesians 4. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you, lead a life worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God. Always be humble. Always be gentle. Always be patient. Is this convicting yet to anybody else? Does anybody else just want to crawl under the couch right now? <laughs> I mean, can we just give the invitation, guys? In fact, guys, come on up here and get ready. I'm done. <laughs> when you're into this most conviction, you better give an invitation quick. I know there'll be one at the altar today. Always make allowance for each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. Make every effort. It's not easy. It's not easy. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Make every effort bind yourselves together with peace. Paul gives this advice to the church at Corinth. He says, dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. And the God of peace will be with you. These are welcoming words. Jesus comes this morning as the Prince of Peace and says, I want to give you peace. If you're lost, I want you to secure peace with me today. I came to die for your sins, and I want to give you a peace that can secure your eternity forever with me. He then comes and says, I want to give you peace, the peace of God, so that as you journey through this life, you'll have a peace that surpasses understanding. It's going to guard you. It's going to protect you. It's going to help you to make it through the chaos and disturbances of life. Because if you read the front page of the paper this morning, you're going to need this peace. And then he says, I want you to get along. So I got some more peace. If you work at it, if you'll trust me, if you'll work at it, if you'll... If you'll allow this peace to work, it may take some time. It's going to take some patience. You're going to have to be gentle. But you can get along for like a long time. You can actually have a pastor that stays 31 years, even though he's like sometimes rotten. And sometimes he's really hard to get along with. But you can actually stay together if you work at it. If somebody will apologize, and like myself, and I'm not thinking of anything. I'm just preaching, right? That's all I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not, there's no problem. Nobody think, why is he preaching this? There must be a lot of problems in the church. I don't know of any, but I do know they could happen. Amen? Every head bowed and every eye closed. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And thank you, church family, for your patience this morning.
because I know we've taken a little extra time. I wouldn't trade it for the world, though, amen? I would not trade what we experienced with Teen Challenge for anything. It's great. But let me conclude by saying this. If you want to face the disturbances of life, you may need to make some changes today in how you receive the peace of God. And if you've never made your peace with God, you may need to secure that peace today by asking Jesus Christ to become your personal Savior and settling your debt with Jesus today. He died for your sins. He has died for your sins, past, present, and future. And today, if you'll accept his payment for your For the debt against you because of your sin, he will pay that debt and you will be saved forever. It's amazing. Maybe there's somebody else here today who just needs to be at peace with someone else in your life. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a son or a daughter. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a church member. And you need to reconcile. You need to make peace with that person. Let me pray and we can stand. Father, I just pray today. I, I speak peace over this audience today. I speak the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, today over our church. Father, give peace today to overwhelmed hearts. Give peace today to those who are struggling with hypertension, with a nervous disorder, with, with, with some sort of a, of a depression, with a mental illness. God, give peace. Father, give peace to those who are stressed and worn out over the holidays. What was supposed to be a a restful time has, has been nothing but restful. Father, bring peace to those that are stressed out. God, give peace to family situations. Lord, I have found that sometimes the holidays are the toughest time for families. Oh, Father, would you give peace to those family situations today that have gone awry. Father, give peace to those who have a troubled heart. Speak peace today, Father. And I pray that as we walk into this building next week and introduce the theme, that we'll be at peace with you, have experienced the peace of God, and have made peace with each other so that 2024 can be the year that you desire it to be for us. And so, Father, we thank you for this year. It's been amazing. 2023 has had its ups and downs. It's had its disturbances, its chaos, as we read today in the paper. But, Father, through it all, we've experienced peace. Peace that only you can give. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together?